0: One John chapter one verse one he says there that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and your hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness. And declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen, that which we have heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things... We write to you that your joy may be full. Father, I thank you for the public reading of your word. And even if I say nothing, nothing any further, I get out of here, Father. I get in my car and I go home. I thank you, Lord, that I know that your word has been heard in public. I thank you, Lord, that the Logos word has become Rima. Uh, It's the spoken word in Jesus' name. Amen. So John writes to us. And you will see there's two things that I've highlighted out of those verses. And we're going we're gonna to read these verses again next time. And we may read it again a third time. And there's purpose for that. I want these words to stick with you. The more you go over the Word of God, the more you read the Word of God, the more you study the Word of God, the more the words stick with you. And you remember that I've said a few weeks ago, and I say it again. When you open up your Bible, God speaks. When you close your Bible, God stops speaking. Because this is the Word of God. And if you want to hear from God, open up your Bible. Start reading it. But how do we get this physical book? How do we get this black letters and red letters in my Bible to go with me? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. How do I get these words to stick with me? How do I do that? I keep on reading it. I keep on studying it. I keep on learning it like a parrot sometimes. I oftentimes in my life have a small yellow piece of paper, those sticky notes. And I've learned that if you buy the bigger ones, you can, you can fold them over and the sticky bit keeps it together. You've got a small cart. And on the one side, I write down 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. And on the other side, I write the whole verse out. That's how I do it. You say, why? Because when I write things, I get it through my eye gate. I read it out loud, I get it through my ear gate, and I experience writing the words out on that little piece of paper. And it sticks with me. It's a sticky note, you see. Then I take that sticky note, that yellow sticky note, you see, and I put it in my pocket. And now I carry the word wherever I go. But here's the problem. I can lose that sticky note, you see. I can lose it. But whenever I walk and whenever I've got a, a lonely time, instead of going sitting on a rock and saying, oh, the world don't love me, see how whole lonely I am. No, no, I take that little sticky note out, you see, and I start reading it and reading it. And then I start talking to the Lord. I read the scriptures. Oh, it's right there in my hands. And before long, you see, I don't need the sticky note, you see. Because where is those words? It's in here and it's in there. And this is why we're going to continue going over these words. Two words stand out for me here. Those two words there, the word of life and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Those two things immediately jumps to me because when John starts writing to you and to me and to those people who he attended to write it to, he wanted them to understand that he's not going to bring them anything else but He's going to bring them the Word of Life. I find Him in the Gospels. In John chapter 1, verse 1, He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who believes that? He starts off by saying, in the beginning. What beginning, John? Not the beginning when you were born. No, no. In the beginning of the earth. No, no, He's way there. We can't even phantom the beginning of God. He's eternal. He comes from times past which we don't even know. God just existed. And that's where He starts off when He writes. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 4, in John, He says, in Him was life. In that word was life. And that life was the light of men. If you say to me this morning, preacher, I'm still walking in darkness. I can't see one step after the other step. It feels as if everything falls on me. I've got good news for you. That is the word, Jesus Christ. He will bring light in your dark life. He will bring light to your path. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is the most wonderful thing that you, will in, that you will invest your whole life into. He says that word became life. Now, if you are in John, the gospel, you will see in verse 14, which is a wonderful verse, he says, and the word, the word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, listen now to this, full of grace and full of truth. If you are looking for grace, my sister, my brother, if you are looking for truth, you will only find those two things fully in the Word. You will find it in Christ. This is how wonderful it is. The same man, The same man who wrote that gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writes now in the letters. He says, we have seen him, we've experienced him, and I'm writing to you concerning the word of life. Now, why is he writing it? Why am I preaching this sermon this morning? It is because the next thing that he says, which is highlighted for you, he says that your joy may be half empty. Know that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full. Who's looking for joy this morning in this place? It's not only you, the whole world is looking for joy. Everybody's looking for joy. I am looking for joy, I'm looking for trouble. Have you ever come across some person and you say to him, are you looking for trouble? I know my mom and dad said it to me when I was young. Are you looking for trouble? Not that kind of trouble, but there's no. There's no person who says, Look, I want to have all of the hardship in life. Hey, brother, sister, I'll take your hardship and you can live a joyful life. Is there any person like this in this place? I want to make him my friend. <laughs> no, we are everybody is looking for joy. And here John writes something which the world don't want to see. Here, John writes something which If you go into the world and you you preach it as an encouraging message to people, they say, no, no, away with that. What is this joy? He wants to give us something joyful. And John shows us joy in a world of unhappiness. We are living in a world of unhappiness. We are. Look around you. This is the world that we are Connected the most of all of the generations. We've all got smartphones, don't we? We've got phones all around us. And what do we say with these smartphones? We are connected. But are we connected? We are not. We are a world with all of these technology computers. We've got Skype. We've got Teams. We've got every single thing. I can get your face on a computer, but still we are feeling unhappy and, and, and we're feeling not connected we're a sad people but in the midst of this john comes out and he shows us joy he he brings us joy do you want that joy this morning i want you to listen to what john says you see i want to ask you what satisfies you this morning what are you chasing that will bring you joy you know, if I walk down on a, on a, I think it's a Wednesday or on a Saturday morning and I walk past the lotto shop, I see a lot of people who's looking for joy. Yeah? Oh, there he goes. He's going to say it's a sin now. No, no, that's your own problem, that, brothers and sisters. I'm just saying, what are those people are looking for? They are looking for joy and they are saying that money will give us joy. Mullah, money, money, money. Give me money. Somebody said to me once, it won't give me joy, but it will make the world go around. And I go, no, 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 you're wrong. The world goes around anyway. <laughs> you can have all the money in the world. The world's not going to go around. <laughs> But you see, this is the thing. A lot of people are searching for joy in wealth. They're searching for joy in power. Oh, if I can just have a little bit more power over people. You know, you find some people standing behind pulpits, and that gives them joy because they control people, and they've got power over people. Is that giving you joy, preacher? Then you're in the wrong place. Then you're searching for the wrong joy. If you are searching for joy in your wealth, in your house, in your car, and everything, everything's gonna burn. Come on, let's be honest. All the time and effort you spent into the things that is worth nothing, trying to search and running after joy, is gonna come to nothing. It's going to come to a brick wall. Some people study. Oh, I know, I know people. That, you know. They, they finish the one course and then you say, are you satisfied? No, no, no. There's another course. And then they do another course. Look, there's nothing wrong in doing courses. Nothing. Nothing wrong in studying. But are you doing it to find joy in it? Are you, is that your whole world? Is that your whole, is that your whole emphasis in life? Just to find that knowledge. And some people try to find it in religion. You look all over the world, there's so many religions, so many religions and people will go and they will do all of these things you know it becomes just a monotonous thing people do and they think they're going to walk out of that and they're going to be so joyful man i'm so joy 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 joyful until the next morning a trouble hits them and they go the joy is gone some people are looking in substances some people are looking into drugs you know, if I can just go from the one high to the other high, somebody's looking in alcohol, somebody's looking, you know this up in medicine. Some, some people is taking strong medicine, and, and they, the one medicine puts them on a high for another one. Is that what you are looking for? If that is what you are looking for in this church this morning, then you're in the wrong place. Because I haven't got any of those things to give you. But John says to us that he found joy in a world of unhappiness. You see, John found joy in the person, Jesus Christ. He found joy in a person. That's where he found it. Real joy. In an unreal world, he found some, somebody real. I know of a lot of people that are looking for something real. They don't want fake anymore. Are you sick and tired of, like me of fake things? Who's sick and tired of that? You've heard my story about the grapes, yeah? I'm not going to go there, but there are people who are fake. Who knows that? You know, the Bible says we need to we need to bring forth fruit. What fruit are you bringing forth? Are you faking the fruit that you give to people? Soon they're going to bite through that fakeness of you and they're going to see the real you. And then you come to me you and you say, I wonder why people don't want to hang around me. Well, maybe they've tasted the fruit and the fruit is not so good. I want real joy. I want the real Jesus. And that's where you find him, he says. Now, why do I use the word real? Because if you look at this, the word of life he's talking about is real. John is not coming to us and saying, I'm talking to you about a figment of my imagination or a fake person. He says, no, no. Have you, re- have you seen if you read that passage, how many times he used the word "heard?" Twice. We've heard him with our ears, with our ear gate. We've heard him. You hear him this morning. I'm preaching about Jesus. Are you hearing my voice? Shall I preach louder? Shall I speak softer? You know, if I speak like this, people will actually pay attention. Because now I've got to concentrate to hear Him. But they've heard Him, and they've seen Him three times in this passage. He uses the word seen. We've seen Him. We've heard Him. We've looked upon Him. That means... We've studied his life. We didn't just look at him, oh, yeah, there's Jesus, like some people do in churches. I I bet you if you go through churches this morning in Melbourne and you ask people if they know Jesus really, and you start packing that out, that a lot of people won't know Jesus. Because a lot of people don't preach Jesus anymore. Do you know him? Have you seen Him? Oh, I haven't seen Him. Come on. You know, there's some people who claim they've seen things. They claim that. I don't have to see Him physically. Peter says that in his letters. Him who you not seen, you love. But I've certainly seen Him operate through people in this place. But here we go, he says seen and then he says handled. So this Jesus is real. So I'm just going to give you in the next few weeks three facts about the word of life. That's our emphasis, that's Jesus. It's spelled with a capital word. The word there is Logos. If you go to to John chapter 1, verse 1, I've already read it for you. It says, in the beginning was the Word. It's that same Word, and that Word was life. Uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of life, Jesus. Now, He's going to give us, I'm going to show you three facts that will give us joy. Joy and joy. The first one, I'll just do the first one this week. The life was revealed, and those two I'll do next time. So, first of all, this life was revealed to us. What I'm going to preach in the next 20 minutes should give you so much joy, you can't sit still on your stool, on your seat. It should be like a five-year-old who got some sugar in. Have you seen them? I've got four of them, grandchildren. You know, Richard went out yesterday to the swim. Now, little Richard, and some of you know him, you know, he gets subtracted. You know, he would stand there and he'd look at the wall and he would think really deep. He's a very clever boy, that boy. But, you know, when he gets into the swimming pool, he gets tired really quickly. he just stands there, you know. he needs some energy. So what does Richard do? He says, Dad, before we get there in the car, I give him M&Ms. Why? He wants to beat him on a sugar rush. So praise the Lord, I pray that you will get a sugar rush this morning and find the joy that you are so desperately seeking with what I'm going to tell you this morning. In fact, what John was writing down, this life was revealed to us. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, he gives us that word. He says, the life was manifested and we have seen it and we have testified and we proclaim it to the eternal life which the Father was made manifest twice he uses the word manifest that word manifest comes from a word which means to make known what has been hidden to show oneself you see for some people christ is still hidden because they don't want to see him but he has manifested himself and there's three ways that he manifested himself three ways that he made himself known to you and to me who knows the, the lady Helen Keller? Helen Keller was blind. She became blind and she was deaf, I believe. Blind and deaf. And you know, I've, I've read this beautiful story about her teacher, Mrs. Sullivan, who came to her. And Mrs. Sullivan tried to explain to her how, who God is and how God looks and about God. And she sort of, the only way that she can do is to tap on her. To tap on her skin. And she started to tapping out to explain to her the symbols that shows God. And when she tapped out to this, to Helen, God. Helen started tapping back to her. And this is what she tapped back. She tapped back to her. Thank you for telling me God's name. That's wonderful. For he has touched me many times before. Isn't that neat? When I came to this and I said, Lord, how do you manifest yourself to people? Here is a blind lady. She's deaf. She can't see, can't understand. And and you showed yourself to her many times before by her testimony. Then we sit with people who can see and people who can hear and people who can read a Bible. How privileged are you? And there's people who tell me, I can't see and experience God. Wow. When I read that, I was sitting there. And brothers and sisters, believe me, I do study the Word of God. Just a little bit. I do. I do read up about it. Just a little bit. But when I read that, I felt ashamed. I really did. I said, Lord, here is somebody who is so who is so handicapped, and I've got all of these things, Lord, which she hasn't had, but she tells me that He's touched her so many times. Has He touched you once? Have you been to the cross? Have you knelt before Him? Have you cried out to Him and say, Lord, take my sin? Have you invited, have you said, Lord, come into my life? Can I experience you, God? You say to me, but how does God reveal Himself? Let me give you three ways. Three quick ways. It's really easy and some of you know them. First of all, God reveals himself in nature. Who knows that? God reveals him outside with everything you see out there. Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. How wonderful is it to live in this place? Oh, I don't like my house anymore. I want to buy a new house. Man, just go outside and walk out and see the house that God gave you. This whole earth... The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day at speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. How privileged are we? That sun comes up every single day on its time. Have you noticed? You will not catch the sun out. Well, I'm not talking about daylight saving. I'm so glad that everybody was on time. Well, this is the one time that you will be before time. But you know, God put it in there. He reveals him. This morning, when you woke up, have you just walked out of your house before the sun came up and just sit there or stand there and start listening? Have you? Have you? Have you started listening when the, when the world starts waking up? Have you? Have you got that knowledge? And then you realize when you look up and, and it's still dark and you see the stars still up there, but you can see on the horizon, you can start seeing the glow of the sun coming. And you, you just take it in. You take it in. And, and you know what happens to me? When I look at those things, I feel so small. Is it just me? Because I've gained the knowledge of this massiveness around me, massive. Have you done this before? That you go at nighttime and step out of your house and go away from the lights and sit there and you see the sun going down until you can't see it anymore. And it, have you done that? I know some people say, "Yeah, that's me. I'm a night person, not an early man." And some people say to me, "If you see a sun set, you've seen a sun rise because it's just the other way around." But I've sat there and I realize now the earth is shutting down for night. And then the, the, the sounds of the day changes into the sounds of the night. Have you heard that? That is the knowledge. Every single day. But we're getting so, used, so taken up with our social media and all of these things, and that goes past us. God reveals Him day to day to us in the heavens. That be- describes everything God has made beside the earth. And then in the firmament is the canopy, the visual arc of the sky. God reveals Himself. And Now Paul writes to us in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, the following. He says, "...from since the creation of the world..." Since that time, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Do you understand that? His invisible attributes are clearly seen. What do you mean, Paul? But I thought those things you can't see. But you say it's the attributes which we can be seen. Exactly. You need to slow down sometimes. Then you will see what, what Paul has seen. He says it right there, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without an excuse. There is no excuse for people about God. You know Him in nature. You see, in nature we learn about God's intelligence and about His power. That's what nature teaches us about God. And even the atheist can come into this room and he will know those two things. God is an intelligent designer. You want to tell me you look outside and all of these things just went poop. Poop. There it is. The Big Bang. Phew. You honestly believe that? Now there's Christians who say, I believe in the Big Bang, but the Big Bang, God caused the Big Bang. No, no, wait a minute. You either believe God's the creator or not. So this is what we learn. We learn he's intelligent. He's intelligent. Now, everybody's seen one of those, haven't you? <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Now, I'm just using that as an example, okay? It's just because whenever, when I looked upon this car, I really liked what I saw. I like these little, you know, it's really nice lines. I like the lights. I like the way the front is. And I look at this thing and I go, wow, that Volvo just pooped and there it is wow that's magnificent now when you get tired when i'm going to get tired of that one there's going to be another one and somebody somebody somewhere said bang and there's another one is that how it works when i look upon this thing i go wow there must have been somebody intelligent somewhere who did this there's the plan Somebody had to sit down there and they need to work out exactly the spaces within the cabin. They needed to work out exactly how big the boot space is. The tires, the rims, the lanes. They had to work out if you want to be comfortable in there. That is very intelligent. Now, if you ask me to build something like that, I can't. I haven't got that intelligence. But somebody did. Now, when I look at that, I say, wow, somebody to put the intelligence into work and boom, there is a car. It just didn't happen. There's a lot of things that needed to come together. Now, what about this? Have you seen one of those? They are not distinct. (laughs) That is wonderful, isn't it? That's a beautiful, beautiful tree there. Now, some people is trying to tell you that that was just gobbledygook and boop, and there it is. How many different trees have you seen out there? Now this is what is so wonderful. If you go back to this, you can copycat that. You go to the Chinese and they go, yeah, no, yeah, no right, mate. Look at it, and I'll, I'll sell it to you cheap, cheap, cheap at a quarter of the price. And they can make it exactly like that. Who knows what I'm talking about? But when you come to this, it's not as if somebody's going to go, yeah, no, no, mate. Give that to the Chinese and they will make that for you. The Chinese won't be able to make that. And it's so wonderful, brothers and sisters. When you look at the trees, there is no one tree who is same than another tree. Have you noticed? Oh, wait a minute, but all these trees have got the same name. Yes, I get that. But put all of those same name trees next to each other. There's no twins. Have you seen tree twins? There's no twins in nature. No twin trees. Somewhere they are different. And I love it for that. So how did the trees come into existence? I'll tell you how it came into existence. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, let the herb bring for, uh, yields its seed, and let the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its own kind. Everybody say those words. So He says, Let the earth bring this forth according to its own kind whose seed is in itself. I like that. On Friday night you would have heard me say it, that the seed carries within it the seed to bear made much fruit, more fruit. Say, how did God make this thing? He said, I'm going to make this tree, and within its fruit, there's going to be seed that's going to drop onto the ground, and that's going to grow up. And that new tree is not even going to look the same as that tree. They may have the same way, and they look the same, but that branch is going to be different from that branch. And how wonderful and fearless did God make this universe. Are you getting joyful already? I don't see people going around like my five-year-old grandson, but I'm I'm so joyful about this because nobody can copycat God. And he says there, according to its own self, and the earth brought forth grass to the herbs and the seals and the trees whose seed is in itself. You cannot copycat that. Let me give you one more and then I'll move on. Is that all right? What about this? What about this? Have you seen that? Yeah, me too. This is a man standing there in amongst what God has created. But when I look at this man, and, and, and I want to believe, I don't know him. I just found him on Google, okay? I'm going to be honest <laughs> to you. Some of my brothers, nobody I know, I found him on Google. But, but I want to, with his type of open face, I want to say he's a brother. And I pray to the Lord that this man somewhere is a brother, or the gospel be preached to him. But that's not where he came from. (laughs) Can you see the resemblance? It's absurd. It's absurd to think that this beautiful man, who I believe is a child of God, I don't know, brother, but I pray wherever you are, the Lord bless your soul and save you. But I can't for the life of me think. But sometimes when I look at his tummy, I feel like that. I feel like he's my brother but he's not. But but I can't think that there is a a plan a mold that that God made it. You see this is the wonderful thing about Mankind God created us in Genesis chapter one verse twenty six, then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the earth, the sea, over the birds, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping things that creep. So God created man and his own image and his image of God, he created him male and female. That's interesting, isn't it? Wow male and female he created them so we see that god is an intelligent that's what nature teaches us when i look at you i know that god made you and he is an intelligent being when i read psalm 139 have you read psalm 139 it gives you a description exactly how god made you you are not lost you belong You see, the problem with the world is they're telling our little children now we are all animals, so there's no worth in you. Let me tell you, God made you to His image, and there is worth in you. You belong. You belong. And then secondly, what we learn out of nature, God is powerful. Who's experienced this before? Who has stand next to a sea when those waves comes in and they come rolling in and you hear them rolling in and they come and they smash against those rocks? Have you experienced that? Oh, there's so many places I can tell you now. Have you ever gone down and stood in front of those rocks and said, come on water, come on, come on. Have you done that? No, why not? Because it's foolish. Why not? Because the water is more powerful than you. Now, if you take a drop of water, it's not powerful than you. If you take a a glass of water, it's not more powerful. But when you put it all together and you see them rolling on, you see the power of God. Have you ever been, and in South Africa we had it, and I miss it dearly, uh, electric thunderstorms. Yes, those are the ones. Have, have, Have you had them? Wherefore, for nearly in half an hour, it's lightning and it's thunder. So, so that some people go and they hide themselves under their beds. Why do they hide themselves? And that's me, you know, when I was younger. I, I crept in there and my dad comes and said, what are you doing? I said, what, oh, this thunder? So it's going to come right through the roof. But you know what I've experienced? I've experienced the power of God. God is powerful and that's what nature teaches us about God. So let me tell you the second way that God reveals himself to us to give us joy. Secondly, he gives us special revelation. Special. First, he reveals himself through nature. Secondly, special revelation through his word, the Bible. The Bible In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, he says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke to time past to the fathers and to the prophets, uh, sorry, he spoke to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. Now, how did he speak to us? Through his Son. How did he speak before? prophets but now he speaks through his son before the prophets had to bring all the people together my brother (coughs) that's what you use that for isn't it they blow the trumpet and the people come together and the prophet stands up and he speaks the word of god i thank god we are not there anymore you open up your bible what happens god speaks What have you got in your Bible? The words of his son. His son appeared to Paul. And what did he give Paul? The rest of the Bible. Who believes that every word in the Bible is the voice of God? Who believes that? He's a special revelation. He's speaking to us through His Son. Now these days you've got some people who's got some crazy ways they say God is speaking to them. I've, I've heard this one lady, I watched her on YouTube. She said, I was sitting there and two little birds came and they were chirping around. And then all of a sudden God gave her the hearing of the chirping of birds. I said, well, that's interesting. Let me hear more. And she said, through those chirping between the two, they had a conversation about God. And then that conversation they had about God. They were chirping to each other. Chirping, chirping, God, chirping, chirping, chirping. And she could understand it. Dr. Doolittle something. And then, and then they spoke to her the word of God. And she took that word, which by the way did not match with the word of God. And she proclaimed that the word of God. Now, I know we laugh about it and I make fun about it, but it's true. Now, listen to me clearly. And you know what she used as an an example? She said, yeah, because God spoke through a donkey. You remember that? And I wanted to climb right through that computer and sit with her. I wanted to go in there and open it up and sit on the other side to say to her, you know why God spoke through the monkey? Uh, through, 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 Through the donkey? Because that prophet... He didn't listen to God. He didn't obey God. So you do not obey God. If that was a message from the birds, it should have been a message to to talk to you. Now, I believe 100% everything that God said is complete in His Word. And He reveals them to us. He reveals them to us. You see... Special revelation. He gives us in John chapter 5 verse 37. He says, And the Father himself who sent me, this is Jesus, has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form, but you do not have his... uh, uh, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are things are... Which testify of me. So this is why I say that he's speaking in his son. He says there you do not hear him because you are not listening, the testimony of me which you find in the Bible. John seventeen fourteen he says, I've given them your word. John seventeen seventeen he says, I sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Now what do we learn through special revelation? We learn his character and his purpose. That's what we learn. And some people will know that. And you find a lot of these people in churches. Because you can't, you can't, you know, people come to churches to learn more about this character. They will go from one Bible study to another Bible study to another Bible study. They will learn a lot of head knowledge about God and more and more and more head knowledge of God. But that's where it will stop. I don't want to hear how many, how many, Courses you did. I don't want to know how many times you studied or how many Bible studies you've done. You've you've got to come to the third way that God reveals Him to you, and that, my dear friends, is a personal relationship. So God reveals Himself through three three ways: first, through nature; secondly, through His Word; and thirdly, through a personal relationship with His Son. John chapter one verse fourteen: The Word became flesh. And He dwelt amongst us. Why do you think the Word came and dwelt amongst us? Because God wanted to have a relationship with you. He sent His Son to come and lay the foundation of that relationship. He says He dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. In 1 John chapter 1, He says we've seen Him, we've heard Him, we've touched Him, we've looked into His life. We need to start that personal relationship. You can go all the way with special relationship. You can come to church, you can listen to over a thousand sermons. How many sermons have you listened to in your life? hundred? Three hundred? I know there's some people in this church. John, you've been in this church for over seven years. Yeah, brother. And how many sermons did you listen to in this church? How how long have you been going to church? And what will you hear in church? You will hear special revelation in church. And you know that's fine. You get a lot of church dwellers. But you get a few who goes into the relationship with the Son. We need to go into the relationship with the Son. You see, this relationship reveals itself. What we do, we hear his word. This is how we get into this relationship. We are convicted by the Holy Spirit. We respond to the Holy Spirit. And then we obey. That's how you build the relationship. He says you must be born again. You can't call yourself a child of God if you are not born again. If you are not born again, you are just a church dweller. And you will have special relationship with Him. And you will come to me and you will be much more clever than me in the Word. I'm not claiming that I'm actually clever in the Word of God at all. Because every time I open up this Bible, I think it's 32 years now that I'm in ministry. Every time I open up the Bible, I find out that I know nothing. And the more I study, the more I feel I know nothing. And then I study more and I go, oof. Man, I better read more because I just found this out. Or somebody in a Bible study comes out, you know, a young a young youth the other night. Somebody just say something, and I go, "Oh, I didn't know that." Wait a minute, you, the pastor, you ought to know that. The Lord just revealed it to me in that way. Can you see how small we are in ourselves, but big in Him? This is the relationship. God reveals Himself in His personal relationship to us. You see, in this relationship, we learn. We learn to bear fruit. We learn to bear fruit in this relationship. The Bible says, Abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. And what is the key to bearing fruit? The key to bearing fruit is to abide in Him. You cannot bear fruit if you do not abide in the vine. You can bear your own fruit, but again, I'm going to say to you people will eat your fruit and they will come, oh, you know, it's not so tasty. You know what I mean? Or it's sour. You know, it, it really gets me sometimes. I say to my beautiful wife, I say, you know, some people I don't get. One day they walk in and they are just absolutely perfect to deal with. It's a pleasure. You know, they smile and it's, amen hey, man, yeah, yeah, the next day, I don't know what happened. It may be the pillow, it may be the, I don't know, the dog, I don't know. The next day they walk in, you go, what, oh. You go, hi, how are you? <laughs> what fruit did that come from? And that's all of us, I get it. We are human. But you see, the key to bearing fruit is to abide. And the key to abide is to obey. If you want to abide in the vine, if you want to bear this fruit, if you want this relationship with Him, you need to obey Him. And how do you obey Him? You open up your Bible and you follow what He's saying. You do what He's saying. Some of you need to go after this service and do something. The Lord has already convicted you. Do it. That is obeying. And by doing that, you will abide in Him, and by abiding in Him, you will bear fruit. So what is the key of obeying? The key of obeying is love. Because if you love somebody, you will obey them. Children, listen to me. If you love your parents, (laughs) you will obey them. And what is the key to love? The key to love is to know Him. So there's three things, and I'm going to stop there now. How does God reveal Himself? Have you got joy this morning? Did some of you get a little bit of a dose of joy? Well, it's not about my preaching. It's about what John wrote. He says, I write these things to you so that your joy may be full. You know what makes my joy full? I look in nature, and I say, thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself in nature. I look at some trees sometimes. I'm a tree watcher. I'm a tree watcher, honestly. I see some trees and I go, wow. You know, we, we ride down in, in Santa's, there's a few old trees who's dying now, and you see these magnificent big branches, and you look, and no one of them look the same. No one. And I look at this thing and I go, wow. In New Zealand, they've got some, and there's one place there, they've got these big trees. And I went and I stood next to this tree and I look up and I go, wow, how big is this? There must be somebody really intelligent to make this big thing. Look at it. You say, wait a minute, God didn't make that specific tree. It grew from the ground. Yeah, because it says it seeds in its own. Within this, the fruit, there is seed to produce more fruit. And I'm looking at this thing, and I know that God is intelligent and I know his power. But then I open up his word, and he, he's got a special revelation for me. I read through these scriptures, and I find more his character in the scriptures. I find Him. I start knowing Him through the Scriptures. I see in a circumstance when He saw all the people, this one lady walking through the crowd and she touches Him and power goes from Him. And I look at His reaction. I look at His reaction because these days, if somebody's important, nobody can touch them. You've got bodyguards and you've got all of the space around them. You are so important, but not my Jesus. I saw Him walking slow through the crowd so that people can touch Him. That tells me something about his character, he's there for people, he cares for people, I look at your life and I see, are you thinking, you know, I'm so important, if you want to see me, make an appointment through my EA, executive assistant, if you want to see me, if you don't like EA, go for PA, personal assistant. No, no, my Jesus, when I open up the Scriptures, I read about Him. He could have been the man of all men on earth. He could have set Him up as the King of kings on earth. But I find Him walking slowly through the crowd so that He can hear when they speak, so that He can see when they need I learn of him and then I learn purpose through this. I read about it and I go, Lord, I don't know what to do with my life. He says, come to me because I'm the mighty counselor. And then I open up and I see other people in the Bible and I saw Abraham and I read through Abraham's life and I see, wow, this is a man who's really a loose man, Lord. He's a rough diamond. You took him out there of earth of the Chaldeans. He was an unregenerated man, but you loved him so much that you forgave him his sins every single time, every single time he failed. You are there, you lift him up. And then I go through and I say, wow, Lord, you are so wonderful. You are so merciful. I turn on, I come to Solomon. And, oh, and I see oh, how you deal with him, Lord. I come to Samson, and then I come to the New Testament, and I read all about Peter, how he, he, he went against Lord three times. And I say, wow, Lord, who am I? And I see his character. And I see his purpose. And then, when I come to that, the Holy Spirit lay upon my heart. I come close to Him, so close. You know, somebody said to me, so close that you can even, even feel their breath. That's pretty close. I'm so close to Him. Are you that close this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Father, your word is sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord, and I thank you for that. Father, thank you. You revealed to us. John started writing out to give us joy. I'm joyful this morning. Thank you for revealing yourself through nature. Thank you for revealing yourself through the Word, Father. We really do appreciate that, and we love that, Father. But more so, thank you for coming down to start a personal relationship with us. For without you, Lord, we can do nothing. So, Father, I do want to pray and ask you, Lord, as we continue from here, that you will bless everybody in this place, Lord, uh, for the next week. And make them contemplate, Lord, upon your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.